We are in Summer Breakthrough, number six. And the key to Summer Breakthrough is to get A, out of your comfort zone, B, up to the growth zone, which is the next thing God does, and then C, into the place where God wants us, which we call the end zone. And so we've been doing some different studies with the same kind of template over them. And to this evening, we would like to deal with the thought of X-ray vision, X-ray vision. Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. That means his garments, not his choo-choo train, right? So his glory and his garments filled the temple. Uh, these kids were being shown an x-ray machine. So they had taken these kids into the radiology department. And a doctor asked them if any of them had broken a bone. little boy raised his hand. The doctor said, you broken a bone? Yes, sir. Well, the doctor said, well, little boy, did it hurt? The little boy thought about it, said, no, sir. The doctor, he was kind of perplexed, and he said, son, which bone did you break? And the little boy said, my brother Timmy's arm. (laughs) X-ray vision is used by superheroes. So that's where we really find it. And it's the ability to see through physical barriers, right? You can see through walls or see through things that prevent a normal person with vision uh, from seeing. And it's at the discretion of the holder of the superpower. The most famous possessor of the ability is Superman. He had this thing called X-ray vision. And I guess he inherited it, right? So he had parental supervision, right? (laughs) But another possessor of really what we want to talk about this evening is not for superheroes, but that there is a vision that God can give us where we can see through things and see perhaps through distances, maybe not like Superman, okay? Not like a superhero, but those aren't real. But what I'm talking about tonight is, is very real. And the vision that God gives us is an ability to see things that you don't normally see. And in our summer breakthrough, we want to look at three things. And they are points from, if you've uh, heard a practical theology class, these are going to be things that you might have heard before. And in the summer breakthrough, they're very important to see the needs of people in the lives of men and women who need God. Uh, there was another man who had x-ray vision, and his name was Isaiah. He was a prophet and bears a book by the same name in the, in the Word of God, 66 chapters. And he wasn't the same as Superman, but just like Isaiah, the real historical figure, God will help us see through Barriers. That's what x-ray vision does. So the first thing, the Bible says, the first thing we have is an upward vision. So let's look at Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. And, you know, interestingly, God has these things in order. 
And we'll get to that perhaps in a moment as well. So Isaiah chapter 6, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain, that means two, he covered his face. And with twain, he covered his feet. And with twain, he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. So we see that Isaiah, notice the incident. The first thing we want to speak about in x-ray vision is getting out of our comfort zone. That's kind of the template on a summer breakthrough. And in a breakthrough with God, it really always starts with us being uncomfortable. And I don't think that we should really think it. Uh, We're having a challenge to invite 2,021 people, and it's never going to be comfortable to just uh, talk to a stranger. It's not comfortable for uh, whether you're a salesman, whether you're asking a girl on a date, or whether you're witnessing for Jesus Christ. But we should expect that that is the key to greater things in God, to get out of that comfort zone. So what happened in Isaiah's life? Well, the Bible said, notice the incident that starts this vision that Isaiah had of God. In the year, somebody died. So, well, why in the world would King Uzziah die? Preacher, lots of people die, and that doesn't make me see God. Well, let us explain. Tradition states, and I've also heard a preacher speak about this in a message, that Isaiah was actually the cousin of King Uzziah. Now it makes a little more difference. You see, when the royal, uh, when the king is your cousin, you're kind of part of what's known as the, the royal court. You have this access to the king. You have influence that uh, uh, to the or with the king. And that could be a great benefit, couldn't it? Perhaps uh, the current president in the office in the United States, if that was your cousin, do you think perhaps, and I know they're not supposed to give favoritism and different things, but I believe that uh, you would have his cell phone and you could call your cousin perhaps and if you had a need in your life. If Isaiah needed somewhere to stay, he could call King Uzziah. He could speak with him if it was low on food. Or possibly most important. And what is the thing that really is important in our lives? And said, preacher, but don't say it. It's not important. Money. Finances. If Isaiah needed some finances, the top of the government was going to make sure that Isaiah was okay. And, and that's kind of a concern in many people's lives. And Isaiah was hooked up to Uzziah. Well, when Uzziah died, <laughs> quite possibly now Isaiah's world got shaken up. 
So I'm going to get my paycheck now. Right. How are you going to get? I wonder. And this is perhaps some conjecture, right? I wonder if you, if Isaiah really began to pray. If he really began to seek God. And you know, when things get shaken up in our lives, whether it's a financial disruption or whether it's some other kind of disruption, uh, God uses those things to get our attention. And uh, God has a divine order before God can have us have a look inside, which is the next thing. He has to get our eye on him. You know, there's a divine order. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, notice that we need to be looking unto Jesus first. We don't need to even really be focused on ourselves first. The first thing we need is a vision of God. And the Bible said that Isaiah was actually, however he saw it, God gave him this supervision to actually look all the way up into heaven as if he was probably like in the middle of the room. I don't know if he was transported there, or if God just opened up that distance from however many miles it is up, heaven's a real place. Right now, heaven is a place where the Bible said Jesus is seated at the right hand of God in a body. The Father, the Bible says, has a body because he's seated on what? A throne. And Jesus is seated at his right hand. So there is a place that is the throne room of God. And he actually saw it. Well, the Bible says that God is not the author of confusion. So God has a divine order. The Bible said, let all things be done decently and in order. The first thing in many times in our lives is we need to get a vision. Ask God to give us a vision of the throne of God of heaven somewhere up there. You see, a lot of times they say there's more than meets the eye. Well, there's more than meets the eye down here. And I don't know if Isaiah had bills and different things and maybe they were the talk of the day, but God wanted to show him, hey, there's more than bills. I used to work for a company and worked for some good people. And the founder of the company he died about the time when I was employed there. But you would still get sales calls and different things, and they would ask for Ernest Carroll, which was the name of the man who founded the company. And I remember uh, someone called with some sort of bed that you could adjust or different things, and I uh, said, I, he, he was already had passed on at that point, okay? He had already died. And, and the salesman said... Uh, well, I, he'll like this bed. And I said, well, sir, where, he's, where he is right now, I, I don't think he's going to need that bed. He said, oh, he'll need it. But he, I never relayed the message that the man was no longer with us. But you see, uh, there's more than this life that meets the eye. And when we get a vision of God and when we see things, and that's really the central message of the cross is the empty tomb. 
And that, wow, he is alive from the dead. There is more going on here, more power going on here than meets the eye. In the book of Revelation, the Bible said that the Apostle John in chapter 4 of the book of Revelation, he's taken up in the spirit and he gets the same kind of x-ray vision as Isaiah does. And God gives him a vision of what's really going on. And immediately I was in the spirit, Revelation chapter 4 and verse 2. And behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and sardine stone, and there was a rainbow round about the throne. You know rainbows aren't just like a a half circle. Rainbows are actually a whole circle. There's one up in heaven. The Bible said it was round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. And then if you skip down a little bit, the result of seeing the throne of God, the Bible said the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. And I heard someone say this some time ago, but the action is happening around the throne. And if we can get our eyes, get that x-ray vision focused on the throne. And, you know, sometimes it takes unpleasant circumstances. Have you ever faced those? (laughs) I remember, I think one, one week in the ministry, I made nothing. I think if I remember correctly. So you're a full-time preacher, but it will get you praying. <laughs> but you know that you begin to trust God and learn to say, God, you have an idea what's going on, but I don't. I believe Isaiah was shaken up so that he began to look up and say, God, all my help comes from the Lord. And you know, that is not a bad place to be. Whether God blesses us with millions of dollars or just enough to get by, to realize that all my help comes from the Lord is a good place to be. So when God gives us an upward vision, Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1 to 4, He gives us an upward vision. The next thing God wants to give us in x-ray vision is an inward vision. So when we begin to see God, I don't know about you, but I came to church and man, the first time, preacher began to preach about Jesus. And Jesus said, I, even I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And so he was preaching about Christ. And then I got a vision of Christ and a vision of his sinlessness and a vision of his sacrifice and a vision of his power. And then I got to look at myself. (laughs) That's the second thing that... You know, have you ever, the, the second thing that, that God gives us in x-ray vision, he gives us a supervision. And uh, he gives us a vision to see ourselves. You know, have you ever seen through someone else's excuses? They give you all these excuses and you're like, mm-hmm. Now, especially if you have a kid, right? You, you, they're making all these excuses and you're like, those aren't any good. I've already done all those. I mean, those are the ones that I did when I was your age. But kids don't realize that we've been around the proverbial block, right? Well, 
perhaps we've seen through someone else's excuses. Have we ever had enough x-ray vision to see through our own carefully crafted excuses? You know, like, that maniac's on the road. Where do they get their license? They're driving so fast. Is it from a prize in a cereal box? Did they get it from a Cracker Jack box? But then when we're speeding, right? I got my reasons, right? But we, it's hard to see our own self. But you see, the Bible gives us an inward vision. And you know that I, I really uh, had a blessing in the ministry some years ago. And we were just sharing it with the gentleman uh, that my marriage really got better. I mean, it really got better. My marriage, i uh, been married uh, 20 years, over 20 years, and it really took a step up. It wasn't like horrible, but it was like, okay, you know, and we just didn't know that there was any better. And I was sharing with the gentleman today, we were talking to him and I said, and I realized that the problem was mostly me. <laughs> well, what did God give me? He gave me some x-ray vision that I began to realize that, ha, I'm the problem. And so I began to change things. And guess what? The marriage began to change. And, and they say, happy wife, happy life. And you know what? Life got happier because my wife got happier because I saw myself. Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6, now things had gotten shaken up. And he, he looked and he saw God. But then the second thing, first we see God, then we see ourselves. Because we shouldn't really compare ourselves to others, but we should compare ourselves to Christ. And the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5, he's in 5, 6, and 7, Then I said I, woe is me. <laughs> when you see an awesome God and all of his reality and it's just so real, then you really take stock. You're like, man, nothing else matters except my relationship with God, right? Woe is me for I'm undone. I've been to so many good Christian services, whether it's a conference or revival, where I've just been down at the altar and man, all I want is Jesus. I just don't want anything else. And let me tell you, that's a good place to be. So preacher, but I have needs in my life and desires and wants. And you know what? I found out that if we seek first the kingdom of God, then all these things get added to you. God knows we have needs and desires and, and hobbies and all these other things. God wants us to have a good life. But the Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. So I remember being down at an altar many times and it's a good place to be where you're just down at the altar and you're like, man, take the world and just give me Jesus. I want a relationship with Christ. Isaiah, the prophet, he said, woe is me for I am undone. All my excuses are out the window, right? Because I'm a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And how did he know these things? For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. I got a glimpse of God. And then I can see what I am compared to him. He's holy. Jesus is harmless. And the Bible said he's separate from sinners. If, you know, people say, well, every Christian sins every day. Well, Jesus is separate from sinners. So if we're sinners, then Christ is separate from us. But I want to be separate from Jesus. And the Bible says then in verse 6, Then flew one of these six-winged beings, the seraphims, unto me. And the word seraph means burning. So I don't know. Remember that superhero, the flame? And he would say, flame on! 
and he would become this fireball. These creatures were awesome, and they exist, are awesome to behold. They're still, they haven't burned up yet. They're still on fire. But one of these flaming creatures flew up to Isaiah, and he could probably feel the heat of this holy fire. And the Bible says, with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. And that God, when he sees, he has us see ourselves, he doesn't want to leave us the same way. And truly, when you come in to see Jesus, remember they brought this man in, lowered him down from the roof, and in the midst before Jesus, he was paralyzed, and his four friends broke the roof up, let him down. Well, he left a different way, right? He didn't leave by the roof. He left by the door. He didn't leave on his back. He left walking. And, you know, when you come to Jesus, you leave a different way. When you come to the Lord, the purpose of God illuminating things, you know, the devil will illuminate things to find fault with you. He'll illuminate your past. But God is like a holy surgeon. And if you've ever been in a doctor's office, it's really bright. Have you ever seen those, like... Uh, those, those big mirrors or magnifying glasses and they magnify. You think you have a good complexion, right? And then you look at your complexion under one of those things. You're like, that's disgusting, right? Because it just blows things up in your pores and you can see if you have any blemishes. But that God does that to operate and make something better. God does not do it to show us our sin, to humiliate us, but to lead us closer to him. And the Bible says... That Isaiah had his lips touched. Well, we have something that we can actually experience called the new birth, salvation, being born again, becoming a Christian, giving your life to Jesus Christ. That's the inward work that God wants to do in us. And, and you know, if God's done that, that's good. But God will still use an inward vision, give us x-ray vision so that we can get closer to him. I was reading Psalm 119 this morning. Let me share something that's kind of neat. If you've ever read Psalm 119, verses 1 to 5. There's a lot of verses. It's 176. I'm not going to read that. So Psalm 119, verses 1 to 5. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. Now, I want to point out verse 3, verse 4, and verse 5. They, that's the third person, right? Also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. And then verse 4. Thou hast commanded us. Now you've got the first person plural. Now this is on purpose. Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. Now verse 5. Oh, that my first person singular ways were directed to keep thy statutes so you can run over that real quick but from verse 3 to verse 5 you had third person plural first person plural first person singular God's word becomes more personal as we read and study it our that it becomes like not just something on a page, but it becomes something between not just them and God or us and God, but, but me and Jesus. There was a song. Have you ever heard You and Me, Jesus? 
You and me, Jesus. I used to thought, think it was you and me and Jesus. No, it's not. It's you and me, Jesus. It's not three, but it's you and me, Jesus, right? And when we have uh, Jesus Christ and us, we can make it to heaven. And that is the proof. The Bible says not only do we have an inward vision, that's the growth zone. And God is here for us to grow in him. And that, for those on the uh, podcast, is a call from heaven. That God has an inward vision for us. But the last thing, that God gets us out of our comfort zone so he can get us to grow. And so if you've ever felt God poking around in there, you know what we should say? Thank God that he's poking around in there. Man, I go to a church service, and when I'm not preaching, you know, when God begins to deal with my heart, man, it's wonderful to feel that God is still dealing with me because God gives us that vision of ourselves, and it's supernatural. God can help you see what a lot of people don't see in your life. And in the Bible said, an outward vision. The Bible says in verse chapter, Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8, the last thing God gets, and this is really where God wants to get us. You see, in soul winning, inviting people to church, there's a real eternal element to soul winning. If we think it's just to invite someone to church or a goal, you know, to, you know, but if we see people not as bodies with the soul, but souls with the body, that everyone that you meet is going to go to eternity one place. They're going to go to heaven or they're going to go to hell. And I've done funerals and I haven't, you know, it's not the preacher's job, but they're, you know, you're just like, you're not so sure that, you know, someone may have made it to heaven and that's between them and God. But, but brethren, I want to be sure that men and women have made their peace with God that are walking with the Lord. And if they're not, God, let me have this x-ray vision. Let me, let me see the need in people's lives. Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8. Also I heard the Lord, voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And notice Isaiah, he got in the end zone. He goes, Here am I. Send me. Volunteer. Man, it's been a blessing to see people, uh, you know, inviting people to church and different ones. Uh, you know, uh, and I know it's, it's not easy. And, and uh, uh, but you see other people doing it. And my wife has shared different folks because they call her and text her. Man, it's awesome to see people on the offense for the Lord to spread good news to people that God can do something because they're getting a vision that people need Jesus. And the more you do it, the more you'll get it. Because we realize that with x-ray vision that God doesn't look on the outward, does he? You know, I've invited people to church that looked rough on the outside. And I've invited people to church that look refined and fit on the outside with nice cars, you know, and they speak in an educated manner and have a good job. But, you know, what Samuel found out when he went to select the second king of Israel, when Jesse's seven sons were placed before him, he saw the big dude named Eliab. And he was, he had a, no doubt, a, a nice countenance. He was probably handsome. He was tall because the Bible said, don't look at that. Don't look at his height. He said, I have refused him. 
I said, a preacher, but Samuel didn't have x-ray vision. But he did. Because God touched his heart and showed him the inside. Mm. God can do that. For the Lord seeth, not as man seeth. Now, God's got x-ray vision. God can see everywhere. But he was telling Samuel, this is what's really going on. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but I'm going to translate the King James, but the Lord has x-ray vision. The Lord can look like Superman, not just through the bones, but the Lord can look on the very heart of men and women. And then the Bible said that all of the sons passed by and then David. Now, Samuel didn't know that David was chosen, but God spoke to his heart and showed him, that's your man. The Bible says, send and fetch him for we will not send down till he come hither. God chose David. God chose you and me. God chose to give us some x-ray vision. Say, God will give us first a, a vision all the way up in heaven. You get to see that throne room of God. And then God will give us the x-ray vision to see through our own excuses and to see ourselves and to have a, a, a desire for a personal relationship that's close to God. And then God will give us an x-ray vision outward to see people that, brethren, that don't know Jesus and that need him. Yes, inviting to church is good, but that doesn't make someone a Christian. They're brought to that point of prayer, and that's really where the war zone is, to get an experience with God in their own life. And brethren, that's the breakthrough in this, uh, in this summer, in this challenge in our lives, to have a vision of God, an upward vision, a vision, an inward vision of ourselves, and then an outward vision of this great world that we live in that so needs Jesus. Let, let's let's uh, dismiss in prayer. God bless you.